We are now 9-0 and in the chair-kicking era. What up, Dub Nation, to another episode of the Catch and Dub podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Ethan, and I am joined by my duo, my splash bro, and my co-host, Zach. My guy, I know uh, Winter Olympics is coming, or like, it's already happening, but like, how do you, th- how do you think about like the hockey stuff that's been going on? Big, big hockey guy. Big hockey guy being both Canadian and American. Uh, you know, it, it gives it. I'm in a tough spot because with my mom being Canadian, dad being American, Canada and America being both powerhouses in hockey and women's and men's. I mean, men's some when the NHL allows their players to go and play in the Olympics, the U.S. men's are a powerhouse, but when which is when uh geez now i can't even think what i'm saying uh, and I, the nhl not allowing their players to go to the olympics this year makes the u.s men's team a lot more uh not as much as a contender wow what's wrong with my words uh i wouldn't i would consider them a contending team for the gold medal the u.s men's team i mean anything can happen though um but i think if I were to rank Olympic sports, probably hockey's number one. Then I think skiing, such an underrated sport. Um, and then I think curling can be boring, but that's that that sport takes some skill, and I respect it does. I respect the curlers, but I think the Winter Olympics. I think I like it a bit more than the Summer Olympics. Summer Olympics, you can only re- really get down with swimming and track basketball. probably and ba- basketball and yeah and basketball stuff so, but i mean it should be a fun two weeks so yeah i mean people should watch it more do you think so i mean there's a lot of good stuff happening i think so i think hockey's such a underrated it's sport like, yeah it's like, such an underrated sport and it doesn't get enough tension in the u.s as when you look at tv ratings you got NFL is the king, and you have the NBA right behind it, and then you have NHL and MLB, which are in the dump. Well, MLB's ratings are in the dump because baseball is sometimes quite boring. But I mean, when the Giants are playing well, I'll watch baseball any day. Um, but I think Winter Olympics need more attention. That's there. It's an underrated two weeks of the year every four Agreed. years. Agreed. And now, moving on from Winter Olympics, we got Warriors basketball, as many of you here are listening for that content. So um, the Kings game happened last Thursday or Friday, I think. Um, I guess this is what you could say this is Clay's most efficient night shooting. I feel like he's starting to finally get his rhythm back. He shot seven of nine from three. It kind of reminded me back in 2015 where he dropped – 37 in that third quarter. So, I mean, all in all, I'm, I'm impressed with um, the Warriors play tonight. Obviously, um, Steph's slowly starting to come out of his slump. You could probably officially say that he's out of his slump. I don't know. What do you think, my guy? Do you think Steph is out of his slump? Uh, when you look at his stats and 24-51 from three-point range, which is an estimated 47.1%, 
and I did not do that math in my head. It's written down. Um, 17 for 33 from inside the arc, 51.5%. Um, and I'm going to guarantee, and I'm willing to bet that probably half of those inside the arc shots are floaters because um, Steph's got the floater game. Um, but I think there were multiple times where everyone was questioning if he was really out of his slump because he would have a very good game and then he'd be garbage oh, the next yeah. two. Um, but both him and Clay are starting to Clay. Well, first of all, he's back. He's found his rhythm um, in OKC, where he's hit many clutch shots throughout his career. Once again, hit a clutch shot in the fourth quarter. Um, but I think Steph is for sure back now with how, with how he has been playing over this recent stretch. Um. And I think the game probably where he really certified that he was back, I'd say it's probably Monday in Houston last Monday. Cause I think, I think the Saturday game against Brooklyn, um, that's a pull up to stats, but he just, he, he didn't shoot it that well, he didn't it shoot like it that well, but I think just like I said on the previous episode, he just makes such a big impact even when he's not shooting the ball well and the ball's not going in the basket and he's not scoring any points. But I think Monday, last Monday against Houston, when he put up a 40-piece in 21 in the fourth quarter after Kevin Porter Jr. was, for some reason, needing the trash talk, um, that's when the slump ended officially. You can see Steph's impact on the floor. We saw like a highlight play where um, Steph was driven on the baseline and Mo Harkless was on clay and Mo Harkless decided to double on Steph, which allowed clay to drift on the left baseline. Um, and Steph whipped it across the corner for the three. I'm like, did people forget how great of a shooter clay Thompson is? I feel like people are still forgetting that and that they need to be taught a lesson in regards to that. Um, but do you see that act on the court? I feel like, um, even with Clay back, they still double Steph. Do you think it's just a testament to his greatness? Do you think? I think he's just such a threat, no matter what. They just need, they just need to have two guys on him. It, 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 what stuck down the stretch last year proved that he, there always needs to be at least two guys in his area. Um, but the benefit for the Warriors is is that now you have Clay Thompson back, who is money and if you and if andrew wiggins is wide open in the corner he's going to hit that every single day of the week um he seems like he's always money from the corner three it's like a harrison barnes harrison barnes andrew wiggins i think is a better slightly better harry b from 2015 2016 era i would say he's better because his defense is exactly compare the defense defense, i think it's so much better yep and I do want to touch on Jordan Poole. I mean, um, ever since Clay got back, you could expect that his uh, field goal attempts would be down. I think he only had eight um, against the Kings and in OKC. Um, what do you think about that? Do you like um, the lack of aggressiveness from Poole? And, or do you like where Poole is being the facilitator in like that second unit or in some cases with Steph on the floor? Uh, I think one Jordan Poole is a quite an underrated passer. Um, and uh, speaking of passing, go back to Thursday night when Steph had that sick left-handed pass along the baseline to Clay. It's probably one of the best passes I've seen Steph ever make, and I've seen Steph make 
quite a bit behind the back passes, etc. But I think Jordan Poole, what I did like from the OKC game is I liked the lineup with, I think it was Steph, Clay, Kuminga, Iggy, and it may have been Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins. But it was out there in the second quarter. But I do think... I just, I just think Jordan Poole has. A, I, it seems like he's adjusted to playing with Clay now, and I think knowing that Clay is on the floor, he may have, he may be starting to realize that if he doesn't need to be chucking up shots, and he eases off of that a little bit and dishes it to the open man. I mean, which I respect because I rather have a high quality shot than him chucking up a contested one, but. I'm perfectly okay with Jordan Poole's lack of aggressiveness and open to more playmaking. I think both him and Jonathan Kaminga's aggressiveness to the rim, I'd like to see uh, continue, but just my thoughts on that. I think I want to look off topic, but you know. No, I actually, I agree with you. I mean, um, even in the OKC game, um, Jordan Poole, like what, nine assists, I think? Like he was across the board, like, like doing like the CP stuff, like the Chris Paul stuff. Um, but it's just like, I love what I'm seeing from Jordan Poole. I do agree that um, you're going to obviously see the the drop in field goal attempts. So it's obviously going to be expected, but like with Jonathan Kaminga, man, he's going to be a problem. Like we can see it already. Like these past three games, when he's coming off the bench, he is that energy guy that the team needs when I guess when the, when the Warriors feel a little sluggish, like you can see his impact off the bench. There was a play with um, a pick and roll with Jordan Poole and Kaminga. Kaminga knew to set that screen, which allowed Jordan Poole to um, easily get a, a dunk. So I'm like, Jonathan Kaminga is already yeah. getting himself in the, into like the Warriors system, which is really scary to see. And he's only 19. And as a rookie, he's like, it's a scary sight, right? My guy, like, Seeing him like fully, like not fully, but like starting to feel comfortable within this system is is a great sight to see, and um, keeps me hopeful for uh, James Wiseman, especially when he comes back. He is going to be. I don't know if I could say that, but he's his ceiling is going to is it's. Are you going to say a Giannis comparison again? I was going to say a Giannis comparison, but I think Giannis, with what he has done through his first years in this league and his resume that he currently has with NBA championship, two time MVP, NBA Finals MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, I don't think Kamingo will have all of that. But I think Jonathan Kamingo will be, like I said in the previous episode, Jordan Poole, Moses Moody, and Jonathan Kamingo, the Warriors' future right there. And you can put James Wiseman in there as well. Um, and speaking of James Wiseman, I'm not trying. I'm not going to come out as a Wiseman defender or Wiseman fanboy, any of that. And on Twitter, like the labels on those people on Warriors Twitter, but. I think people really need to. We just need to wait and see. Let's not rush to any 
rushed anything. He, he's recovering from meniscus injury, and I get it that he when he was on the floor last year, well, with the Warriors, the Warriors were not a. He made the Warriors worse at some times, and I think. I don't know what your thoughts on this are, but I just think we just need to wait and see to see what, how he can contribute and how the Warriors will look with him on the floor. And if that is during the playoffs, ramping up before the playoffs, et cetera. I'm, I'm also on that wait and see track, but thing is um, I'm not expecting Wiseman to come in and uh, contribute right away. It's just, it's just kind of impossible to ask that out of a 19-year-old rookie, basically, who only has, like, three games of college experience. Um, at best, I really think, like, you have to send them in the G League if that's still there. Um, maybe sit them out for the whole season. Maybe. We saw this with Joel Embiid. Um, he sat over two seasons, and when he came back, he was great. Um, but with Wiseman, you just got to be cautious. You don't want to um, – rush it to rush it too quickly or else there's gonna be even more injury and we have to wait even longer for him to make his appearance but i mean even if you want to trade james wiseman what are like even good options out there yes there's probably good options out there but is it um is it worth it to sacrifice the future well the future and james wiseman for a, a a serviceable center what do you think about that uh, one, I do think that's a good idea. Two, do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. Um, I think Joe Lacob, when drafting him, saw the next Akeem Olajuwon in his pockets. Um, but I just don't think the Warriors will make any moves at all. I think with what they showed during the draft and not wanting to trade the picks for a all-star caliber level player, which, oh, by the way, Andrew Wiggins has turned into, so you can cross that out off your list. <laughs> everyone everyone talking about how they should trade the picks for Bradley Beal. Nope, just kidding. I mean, I mean, were you the one who who vouched for Bradley Beal back then? I, I, just, I, I, wa- just... I was. I was the one who vouched for trading the picks for Bradley Beal. But <laughs> I'm an Andrew Wiggins stan now, everyone. Uh. Um, I think Andrew Wiggins is a perfectly good player for this team. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't only me. If you, if you go back to last offseason and how Steph, Clay, and Draymond were in favor of trading those picks for an all-star caliber level player, and if it was Bradley Beal, they'd be okay with it. So it wasn't just me. It wasn't just me. Um, but I think if they were to trade James Wiggins, pick it would have to be for a big and i think a big who's on my number one list who's number one on my list is probably miles turner um with the pacers blowing it up after trading karis Levert to cleveland and demontis sabonis and malcolm bragdon probably on the block as well but you would also have to i don't think you're going to get miles turner for james reisman straight up you'll have to trade a pick pick or picks with him do i think it'll happen probably not but that that's probably my ideal and quote somewhat realistic situation or scenario i have i mean hakub pearl from the spurs is a good name 
to look at if your Warriors fans out there look at Hakob Pertl, what he does on the Spurs, serviceable big pick and roll guy, um, a vertical threat. I mean, um, get Pascal Siakam, guys, spicy P. Just kidding. Uh, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> nah. Obviously, obviously, we're talking about the center position because of obviously the lack of size. You know, the whole concern we've talked about. I mean. I mean, that concern showed today when OKC had 18 offensive rebounds. There was one possession in the fourth quarter. They had five straight offensive rebounds. Like, like obviously, there's not, like, notable bigs on OKC, but do you think that 18 offensive rebounds is alarming moving forward? Do you think that's just going to be? I think it'll just be it'll just be the case. Kevon Looney can't handle. I am a Kevon Looney stand and support and defender, but I'm just saying Kevon Looney cannot. If they're the Warriors are matching up a team again, like against the Cavs, for example, who have guys like Jared Allen and Evan Mobley can go big. And Laurie Markinen, who are three seven foot guys. It can go big like that. That's it's going to happen. Kevon Looney's only six eight. Um six Six, uh, six something. Six, six something. He, or six he, nine. He's, out, he's up there in height. He's not seven <laughs> foot, though. Uh, the Warriors will have those nights where they're out rebound by a big margin. It's going to happen. And if you're not going to address the situation to get another big, it's going to continue to happen. So buckle up and look at those box scores because you're going to probably be seeing more games where the Warriors have been out rebound out-rebound by a wide margin. I mean, I wouldn't say out-rebounded. I mean, the war, I mean, there was a stat, I think uh, Fitzgerald said it was like their fifth in rebounding. It's, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's for them, for the Warriors, it's just rebounding by committee. Obviously we've talked, we touched upon this where everybody gets the, gets crashes of glass, but obviously you want that center position to be solid and stable so that, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about, like you said, like you said, with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, or a Giannis or an Embiid getting like 15 plus rebounds a night. So, I mean, obviously it's a cause of concern. Yes, we've talked, we've touched upon it probably like every single episode, but obviously knowing the Warriors, um, they're probably going to be listeners. They're not going to be buying at the trade deadline for sure. Exactly. And I'm still on that line of if it's not broke, don't fix it because the Warriors are 41 and 13. Without Draymond Green. With <laughs> exactly <laughs> without Draymond Green. Um But do you think um there's gonna be some growing pains when Draymond gets back? No. You don't you don't? Okay. I don't think so. We we kind of so. saw it with Clay for a little bit where there was little but adjustment. If, yeah, if we're being honest, Clay. Wiggins and Jordan Poole have never played with Clay. That's true. Well, they have. They've been playing with Draymond for almost two, two almost two years now. With Wiggins being oh well, now two years because Wiggins was traded two years ago yesterday. So uh, I don't think they're pains, but I think the Warrior. If it's not broke, you don't fix it because the Warriors are forty-one and thirteen. But I think. The Warriors need to address, like I've said in the past, getting a big and hopefully 
by Thursday, when the trade deadline is, there'll be Miles Turner in the locker room. I doubt it, though. So I'm not going to get my hopes up, but I'll wait and see. I'll wait and see with James Wiseman. I would put money that they're not they're not gonna do anything at the trade deadline. Yeah. One thing I'm interested with the trade deadline is is seeing if the Pacers end up trading all four of those. Well, they traded Kara Slippert already, but if they trade the other three and DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, and then I wanna I wanna see it get Spicy. I want to see Ben Simmons for James Harden's trade up. That's straight not up. gonna okay. Straight up. Okay, no we, picks. we can have a conversation about this. No picks, just straight there's up. No, there's no way it would be a straight up deal. I doubt the Nets would even think about that. They would want to get some assets in return. I saw Seth Curry I, coming I, up. I, I seriously think that Ben Simmons can serve as a Draymond Green type role to Jim to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's true, but We've seen in pressure situations, Draymond Green elevates, well, Ben Simmons goes down. We saw this in the Hawks series, Game 7. It's true. Um, but <laughs> I, I just think, I think, I don't think, I, I think I'll take that back. I don't think it'll be straight up, but if the if the Nets got considerable draft compensation or another role player like uh, Tyrese Maxey per se, I think the Nets would probably win that trade. I think James Harden with his attitude within the past couple weeks and how he's been playing, he's starting to look like a cancer. I wouldn't say a cancer, but not a real (laughs) in the Twitter language, not a real basketball player. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I, I think the Nets will probably, I think if that tr- trade were to happen, um, if the Nets got considerable draft compensation and a young player and Ben Simmons probably win that trade. But I think yeah. a Sixers team with Seth Curry, James Harden, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, not bad, honestly. That's pretty good. I think honestly. I think I think it would make them better with adding James Harden. Yeah, I mean, you get a shooter, obviously, in James Harden. Um, I, I I think the Nets would. The only thing I think the Nets did wrong is I think they they should have never traded for James Harden. They had yeah. Jared they had Jared Allen and Karis Levert on their team with Kyrie and KD, and then you add a shooter like Joe Harris who's coming into form, and then you have. A guy like Bruce Brown who stepped up. Um, you have Bla- you have Blake Griffin who s- somehow went back into his prime after he was dog garbage in Detroit. Um, I just think the Nets should have never traded for James Harden in the first place. That's why I agree, I agree with you because we saw Jared Allen against the Hornets. Up, he put up twenty twenty. It basically means he had more than twenty points, more than twenty rebounds, and then Karis Levert. When he was still in Indiana, he had 42 points. That's uh, just like in hindsight, yes. Um, but obviously, you would have you would have had so much depth on that team if you had kept Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. Obviously, in hindsight, in hindsight, we would say that. But at that moment, obviously, you you want to please Kevin Durant, you want to please Kyrie Irving, so you have to make that trade no matter what. So. Yep. Um, 
I mean, that, it's just NBA and not all business. Exactly. Not all super teams work. Look at the Lakers. Apparently, they're, they were a super team, and look at them they now. They are a super team, not where they are. They're a playing team. I mean, the Warriors aren't a super team, and the Suns aren't a super team, and they're top two teams in the Western Conference. I'm um, last thing before we end. Oh, I got one the thing. Portland will, Trailblazers. Will, Portland Russell Trailblazers. West, will Russell Westbrook be traded before the deadline? No. No. But no. I, was, uh, I don't think so either. I also do want to touch upon Portland, the Portland Trailblazers. Do you think it's just – are they blowing it up right now, especially with what they traded with the Clippers for? I mean, that's just straight-up highway robbery, what they gave up um, in exchange I for what think, they got. I think they're in the process of blowing it up. Do I think Dame will be traded in, now I think he'll they'll probably be traded in the offseason. Um, if I were to guess a team he would go to, it's probably the New York Knicks. Um, I think the Knicks have the they have the capital to get him. Um, and I think New York City is a I think it's an appetizing location to play in. I don't know it why is. I, I don't it, know why I used I don't know why I used the word appetizing, but I think it's 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 an appetizing location to want to go to and play for. Um, and I have no clue where CJ McCollum's going. He's going to, he's definitely getting traded at some point. Yeah. But I think the Blazers, they're blowing it up. Should have blown yeah. it up three years ago, honestly, to be honest. I mean, probably after they got uh, swept. I, the- I, I understand how Dame wants to be loyal and he's one of those loyal superstars, but. Did you ever think it was going to work out in a small market team in Portland? That's no offense. I don't have anything against small market teams or any of that. I mean, my football team's a small market team. And look at the Cincinnati Bengals. They're in the Super Bowl and they're a small market team. But I just think – I don't think it was ever going to work out in Portland. I think that run in 2019 when they beat the Nuggets in in seven games and then they – had all these high hopes against the Warriors and playing them without KD and just get smacked around and swept. I don't think. I think I don't know where Dame goes. Honestly, I think my prediction is probably the Knicks, but there's just so many options. The Celtics. I mean, part of me. The, part of me. I don't think the Celtics will blow it up. Jason Tatum's only like 22, 23. But the thing is, though, the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum thing, it does not work. So, And it's true. Marcus Smart, yeah, he's getting dealt at the trade deadline, that's my guess. I think there's going to be a lot of sellers in the trade deadline. So, yep. I mean, King going to sell? I'm sure. Hope not. If they, the Kings trade Darren Fox... They have it. They have a problem. <laughs> the, the, you're basically trading your best player who signed a six-year deal, I think, a year ago or two now. I think it was a year ago. A six-year deal to lock a, to lock him up and stay in Sacramento. And you're going to. And now you have a guy to pair him to pair with him in the backcourt, in Tyrese Halliburton, who have the same the same exact player. And then. <laughs> this past draft, you go in and draft another guard and Davion Mitchell. So you have, I, I just don't understand it, but the Kings, the Kings should be a playing team. 
They, they should. should be. There's and I no feel excuses. sorry. I feel sorry for the fans because there's so much talent on this team. There's so much individual talent, but somehow they're just can't come together for some reason. Um, maybe it's coaching, maybe it's chemistry. I don't know what the Kings, but like they've had they've been disappointing this season. But I mean, to be honest, the Kings haven't really had anything to look up to since De'Aaron Fox got drafted. That's true. I mean, and didn't make that horrible mistake with drafting Luke, <laughs> drafting Marvin Bagley over Luca at number two. Or Trey. <laughs> I understand. Take Marvin Bagley was a very uh, good prospect coming out of Duke, but I just don't understand how you take him over. Trey Young, who was a machine in Oklahoma, and Luka Doncic, who was such a highly rated prospect out of Europe. Because both those guys right now are going to be are some of the best best young players in the league. So, I mean, the Kings, it's time for another rebuild. I don't know how many this is since they made the Western Conference Finals in 2002, but... You could say they're still in a rebuild. Probably. I want to... <laughs> They're still is... in a rebuild. When was the last time they f- finished the year above 500? 2003? I don't know. <laughs> more, more than 10 years ago, that's for sure, probably. All right. That'll do it for episode number 74 of the Catching Dubs podcast. Make sure you check us out on Instagram at Catching Dubs Pod and on Twitter at Dubs Pod and on TikTok at Catching Dubs Pod. And we'll catch you in the next one. Peace out.